at the end of the day, uh, this is just the beginning of of what we're gonna go and where we're gonna go. And I feel this organization, uh, um, the things that we're gonna do here are gonna be sustainable for uh, for for a long time. And um, I'm I'm so happy and proud to be part of this group, and especially because uh, what we did and what we accomplished as a as a team. Uh, overcoming a lot of obstacles, and at the at the at the end of the day, we have to be happy, but not not satisfied with what happened because we got a taste of the off season uh, of the off season, and we know how to play uh, how to play in the playoff now. Well, the Marlins' magic run, the team of destiny, the story of the season, it finally came to an end. Marlins get bounced in the National League Division Series in three games against the Braves. And with that, I'm Jordan McPherson, and this is Fish Fights, the Miami Herald, Miami Marlins podcast, and alongside me, as always, is Andre. Hey, Dre, just what a season, even with the way it ended, man. Yeah, fun, fun while it lasted. I mean, I know back and forth people were, like, you know, wondering about the legitimacy of it because of the season being 60 games and all that, but still an accomplishment for this franchise, still a step forward is well, the way I'd look at it. You know how much of a step forward we'll see, but you know you look at what everything they, they that that happened early on and, and the end result, they didn't go down quietly. They went down quietly in, in the series against Atlanta, but in but in the big picture, coming in beating the Cubs, you know even clinching over the Yankees, you know things like that. They took some good steps, and and we'll see we'll see how they can continue to put the pieces together. There's still the the reality check this week though with Atlanta kind of shows them. There's still a lot to be done. Still a lot of work to do. Reality check. That's a really good way to describe this close. Because, I mean, you see what they go through during the season. They have the week quarantine. They have the 23 days on the road, 28 and 24 days close the year. Yada, yada, yada. We've explained. We've hashed through all yeah. of that before. <laughs> but, again, they go 31 and 29 in the regular season. They go 21 and 19 in division play, which to me is really something to look at even with them going only going four and six against Atlanta and oh and three in the divisional series to see that even with the gap still there between them and the Braves to see how much they're starting to close in in the division overall and show that even though it was a shortened season and the sample size obviously will have to expand once you go back to 162 games and you do and you do the what is it 76 78 games against your division throughout yeah, the bigger season each, right once once you expand back to that sample size, you're gonna to have to see how much how much it actually will play out on the bigger scale. But to see them have a winning record in the East and to see that they can play against some of the other bigger teams in one of the tougher divisions, that is a really sizable step forward, especially in thir- the third year of the rebuild when we thought there would still be a good amount of growing pains. Well, it, it feels like now when they have the NL East meetings, you know, the four big dogs are there and they're, they're like, wait, 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 isn't there a fifth guy? Yeah, the fifth guy's in the room now. The fifth guy isn't kicking the kicking the ass of the other four completely yet, I would say, in the grand scheme of things, because we got to, there's, there's factors. You've got to see how the Nationals would respond next year in a 162 setting, you know, same with the Phillies, same with the Mets. But the Marlins, I think what, what, what they accomplished this year by being competitive in that, and, and winning all those games is now they're in the discussion. Now they're in the room. Now they can be put on a little more of a level playing field with the other five, with the other four, I'm sorry, than they were before seen just as a doormat, you know, the whole bottom feeders thing, all of that. So now 
you know, you don't want to neglect, you don't want to overlook the other three teams because by all means, they're going to have, they're going to make moves in the off season. They're going to try to re-strengthen their weaknesses, all of that stuff. But I think this series showed everybody who the obstacle is. And I think Atlanta, the way that team is built, that team is built to last. They've got great hitters, pitching that we didn't even, we saw great pitching and that's not even them at full strength yeah. pitching. They've got guys hurt, Soroka's out. You know, they've got prospects that are still on the way up. That whole farm system is still one of the best in baseball. International scouting for them is is, is amazing. We, they got, we know they got penalized a few years ago and they lost some of them. And still they're so deep. And then you look at off the field, the revenue that they generate with the way their ballpark is set up, the way all the stuff around it, the battery in Atlanta, everything, they're going to have money coming in there for years. I mean, that, that system is built to last. And if the Marlins, I know they're trying a lot of things. They've had, they've made progress, but there's still a lot of things that need work. And I, and we've been, we were talking about the team. I'm saying the organization. You got to get that sponsor on the stadium. You've got to get the TV, some sort of profitable TV deal done. There's a lot of things off the field as well as on the field that if they're going to compete with a franchise as well built right now as Atlanta in the long run for the next ten whatever years, those things have to get continue to progress and, and be settled for them to have a fighting chance. How long do you think something like that's going to have to take? I mean, you talk about the Braves with everything they've done on the X away from the ballpark itself. And how long do you, what sort of time frame do you think the Marlins are going to have to put on that to start making that jump on that side of it? I mean, those, those two things that I mentioned, I think have to happen sooner than later. I mean, within the next year or so, I, I would, I would think just to start that process to start to bring it in, but that's the challenge they have. I mean, South Florida, we know, you know, it ha it's been tough for them to gain any sort of like large, you know, uh, you know, to generate revenue, to bring in the fans, to truly bring in the fans, not just the diehards that go all the time, you know. So th those are the obstacles that await them. I mean, they, they, you know, you see them out in the community. You, you, you hope that they're making some kind of progress. You hope that what they did this year really did generate some excitement. We couldn't tell tangibly in terms of seeing, you know, people in the seats out there, but. There was a little bit of a buzz, especially once the first round got going, especially when they beat the Cubs and all of that. So maybe, you know, that carries over into next year. We don't know. We've seen that buzz before in 97. We saw it in 2003. And then what happened? The next year, they weren't so good. Everyone went away because we know how South Florida is with, you know, sometimes, you know, the bandwagon. So, again, those, those are all things. But I think sooner than later, to answer your question, I think within the next year or so, they have to get these things settled. They have to start really being in a position where it's not just the farm system, it's not just the prospects, but they can actually go out and have the funds to spend a little bit to bring in, you know, guys like Starling Marte, guys better than Starling Marte, to bring in and really turn this into a powerhouse that can compete with Atlanta and the Dodgers and the teams that really, the Padres, the, the team that are another team with a great farm system that now is on the rise and you know, we're seeing them in the NLDS and, you know, getting close to being a World Series contender. Until they can get there, it isn't truly a team that we can consider a World Series championship team. All right. Now let's dive back onto the field. We saw growth in many different fa facets this year. We saw a lot of the kids come up. But at the end of the day, that experience is still lacking. And you could tell that that sort of lingered into the series between the pitchers, obviously, we knew we saw with Sixto only goes three innings, gets hit hard in the second inning, gets out of that jam, gets hit hard in the third inning, doesn't get out of that jam. You see Trevor Rogers, another big prospect who has come in to stop the bleeding, doesn't really step up to the opportunity. 
And then you see the offense with a lot of kids, a lot of growth that still needs to go. And they go three for 20 with runners in scoring position, shut out the final 19 innings, 21 runners left on base. You see the opportunities and they just, the kids in their first experience with it trying to come up with it and no, not really knowing how to handle the bigger situation. Just from that standpoint, you can see how the hope is that they can build off this and now now they understand what a playoff atmosphere is, granted, with the way this year was, without fans, without the external atmosphere of it, they still understand what the pressure is like now. And you can see now that they need to find ways to build off of this and find ways to learn from this as they go into 21 and beyond. Well, inspired by Miggy talking about the poker game he wants to play now in the offseason, I'm going to say they, they, they're not ready for the high rollers room yet. Because they, they haven't, they look, there's talent, there's tools, but there's also experience. And they didn't have it going into the playoffs with a lot of these guys. And there was no substitute for that. Even for six, though, who we know is going to be a stud. We know he's, he could be the ace of this team very, very soon. But not yet, because, you know, you still need to go through those battles. You still need to face those hitters. You have to have days like he did, it, both at the end of September and yesterday, and, uh, you know, in game three. You have to go through that. You have to learn from that. You have to adjust. You have to, you know, throw your pitches better. Learn everything. And they talked about that. And that's that's what the Marlins. That was the weekend the Marlins didn't have going into this series. Was yes, could you eventually compare pound for pound some of the talent, especially on the pitching side? Yeah, but they haven't been through the battles. The Braves guys have. The Braves were there a couple of years ago. They were starting this up, and then the last couple of years finally have become a playoff team and started to progress. They didn't look, they weren't ready for the Dodgers a couple of years ago, or was it, I'm sorry, I think it was 2019. Was it last year that they lost to the Dodgers in the first round, I believe? They got swept or uh, the year before? They lost to the Cardinals last year. The Cardinals last but the year before, I believe it was the yes, Dodgers. I believe that's right. That reminds me of what just happened right now with the Marlins. I mean, they, they just weren't ready. But now, starting on, on uh, Monday, you're going to see a much more experienced, much more a much better Atlanta team that's ready and, and, and battle-tested to take on that team. And I think they're eventually going to get there. But in this in, in this season right now, you you saw – and, and that's part, you know, the byproduct of the short year the, the without a minor league season. A lot of these guys had to jump, you know, bypass a level or two to go to the majors, and it was a lot to ask. It was a lot to ask, but they showed their capability. They showed that in time it it was good for them to learn from it and to experience that, and they're only going to get better for it. But the time isn't now yet. Yeah, I think our count was of the 18 debuts. I think it was 11 guys who were who never went were never in AAA yeah. who made it up to the big leagues. Double A or lower, and just yeah. yeah, yeah. And and then to move on to that, uh, we see we saw that growth, but we know there's still a lot left to do. To you, what's the biggest thing the Marlins are going to have to address this offseason? Hitting. I mean, again, we we said it last year too, and they they, they made progress. They made some progress last year. They brought in some good veterans, but I think it's. Look, until their prospects, until we're talking about their prospects the same way we are about their pitching prospects, then this isn't good. this isn't going to be where it needs to be. And then that and that's the thing. I think until JJ Blade gets up, which he hasn't yet, but if he gets up and he's what they hope, step one. If Monte Harrison figures it out and starts hitting, there's another one. Jazz Chisholm, we saw amazing glove, amazing you know speed, everything. The tools were there on the on the field. He's got to be. He's got to get better at the plate. He's got to continue to progress, continue to develop. Those main pieces that they went out and, and, and acquired 
once those guys start to be set in place, Lewin Diaz at first, Jazz at short, Monte in the outfield, JJ in the outfield, Jesus Sanchez in the outfield, that's that that's that's still key to me. Like that offseason, hopefully, I know that we obviously COVID hasn't gone away, but let's hope that they still we're still able to have a season next year and a minor league season, which will help these guys because as much as again, I'll say it, as much as you want to play those pickup games in Jupiter, there's no substitute for when you have to prepare for another guy on the mound, another team that and you don't know how they're gonna come at you. That's the stuff that was missing this year that they need that they need to have and in, in, in their development. And I think until to 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 not go to to ramble too long, but the the prospects I think is what it is. Until the homegrown guys are the ones that you're talking about, not just the ones that you bring in for a year, not the rentals, but the homegrown talent. I mean look at again, look at Atlanta. Look at all the key pieces in there for for the most part, homegrown talent. And now they're driving that lineup. Yeah, I mean, you can see the. I mean, they're they've been consistent on that side. The Braves have been consistent on that side for a few years now, and that group has grown together. They've grown consistently year after year. All of them going through. They went through the growing pains together. They went through the early the early playoff exits together, and now they're finally seeing that moment come through. And like you mentioned, when Mike Soroka comes back healthy, that rotation is gonna stack up with what the Marlins hope to be. I mean. Soroka is their ace. Max Freed is their number two. Kyle Wright really impressed me in game three. Ian Anderson's had a really good rookie year. They can find if you can find a four guys. If you can find a if you can find a five there, that's gonna be basically what the Marlins are trying to replicate here with Sandy, Pablo, Sixto, Hope Trevor, Hope Edward Cabrera. If you can find those two, that's gonna be those are gonna be nineteen fun pitching matchups throughout 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 regular season. Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, Steve Avery back in the mm-hmm. day. I mean, this is this is history repeating itself in Atlanta in terms of the, the the deep rotation where there really almost wasn't a weak spot, not even maybe the fifth guy, but if that was maybe the guy that you exhaled a little bit against. If not every night when you were facing the Braves in the early nineties, you you knew you had to be on your on your best uh, approach to be able to to get anything off those guys, and, and they have built that once again. Yeah, now the Marlins have to hope on that hitting side, like you mentioned, that they can all take that step forward. And I think the benefit of it, like I mentioned with the Braves, how they all did together, the fact that the Marlins guys, at least starting with how spring training went this year, they all started this entire way together. Everybody, with the exception of Monte and potentially Eason, we'll see how that second base battle happens next year because Mickey's at short. You're going to have either one of Jazz or Eason at second, which that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, I mean, last year, this spring training was Jazz Chisholm's first big league spring training. It was J.J. Bidet's first big league spring training. It was Lewin Diaz's, et cetera, et cetera. So the fact that they all went through year one together, they're going to get to go through year two together. Hopefully seeing the collective, the, the cohesiveness of that group doing it all together could potentially help with easing that transition as they move into hopefully seeing some more strides in 2021. And then... I would think they would hope, fingers crossed, by 22, they have the firm idea of exactly what they have in all of these guys. The hope was to have it done next year, but with the way this season worked out with the 60-game schedule and no minor league season, that sort of put a little bit of a detour on that, I would say. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's what I, and that's what I meant before. It's like you talk about year one altogether in the, in the development plan, but it's like they plucked all these guys and dropped them into year three level mm-hmm. and told them, okay, go. No. 
that's not what they're they're not there yet. That's that's you know that's two years away maybe, but that's the an important step. It's the first step. Now the next step, and I and and you're right. And I didn't bring up Isan. He's another one that it's unfortunate for them. You know, between of course you know the, the decision he made at the beginning not to play, then he comes back, and then unfortunately he can't even get the second half of the season because of an injury. He basically lost the year for the most part, and now that sets back you know what you the level you would hope he had progressed to now going in the next season but still there still part of the mix and another guy that I would definitely include in that homegrown conversation as a guy that you hope turns into a piece you can count on to to drive that lineup in the future and for to wrap this up let's just take that big look back at this year one or two moments that stood out to you this season Dre well I mean I I, I go to definitely the you know the the sweep at Camden Yards. It was. I mean, they're not. They're like again. They're not there in the playoffs if that doesn't happen. To when their roster was in shambles and they're scouring the waiver wire to find you know bodies. It, it, that that was tremendous. That was tremendous because everybody thought they're going in there and, and the Orioles were coming off. People, let's remind everybody again. They were coming off a sweep of the Rays and everybody talking about, hey, Baltimore is better. Barely scored a run in that series. I think until the last game of the series, if I remember, and playing doubleheaders. So that's one for sure. And then, I mean, I, I definitely, I think I'd have to go fast forward all the way to the playoffs and just the fact that you know they didn't just show up and and it was it wasn't just like show up and done. They went into Wrigley Field. They even fell behind and counterpunch and come back and not only beat the Cubs but hold the Cubs to one run in two games. I know it's two games, but still. It's the Cubs. It was a team. It was one of the best teams in the National League this year, and to do and to do that, this team, the way their story went this year, it was good to see them. Not just you know, because if they had gone in two and done, it would have just reinforced like, hey, you know what? They probably don't belong. They're not a real playoff team anyway. But they went in, they made some noise, and went to and, and at least got to the second round. You know what? And if and if Acuna doesn't, you know, if all those antics don't start, I think that really, yeah. Look, to me, tactics is what that was. Because look how quick that flipped the series. I'm not saying the Marlins, if it doesn't happen, they probably might still lose the series. But who knows if it's a little more competitive if if they can hang on in game one and win that first game. Then all of a sudden, it's a different series. But again, to the point of them being competitive and not just being a doormat in the playoffs, that to them speaks a lot about where they're headed. Yeah, I would definitely echo both of those, specifically the Baltimore series. I mean, you're they just came back from being stuck in a hotel for a week. You don't know physically how they're going to be. You see Pablo throw five shutout innings to start it off, and then the ball just starts rolling there. But the two that I want to stick at, stick that I want to point out are August thirty first trade deadline day. The Marlins have to make a day trip to the Mets to make up the to make up the game that got. Postpone yeah. when they decided to when they were protesting everything that happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, with Jacob Blake. It's it's one of their two off days they had left after their schedule was already completely restructured to make a day trip while the front office is doing everything, getting Starling Marte, John Villar gets traded mid game. Every reason they're, for them to lose. They're facing Jacob Degrom for a fourth <laughs> time. Yeah, every reason yeah. for them to lose that. Game. Every reason for them to lose. They win that game. They keep the morale high. They get a couple big home runs from Cooper and Anderson. Trevor Rogers has a good game. And then you also get the prize of it at the end of getting Starling Marte. 
who really helped yeah. for the final push of the regular season. He solidified center field, solidified the number two spot in the lineup. Who knows what might have changed if he wasn't hurt and didn't miss the NLDS. Obviously, hindsight yeah, would always helped. be twenty twenty, and who knows exactly what could yeah. have lingered. But the fact that he was able to help them through that final push, and they're going to have him for next year as well, that really that provides some benefit and some help help for next season. And then I had to go to the night they clinched. They clinched a playoff spot. I mean, you do it in Yankee Stadium. You do it on the day of Jose Fernandez's death, the anniversary of Jose Fernandez's death, the anniversary of Derek Jeter's final game at Yankee Stadium as a player. And you just saw all of the emotions unfold from this team. You see them just feeling the realization of the moment. You see them knowing that everything they went through, all the hurdles, all the trials and tribulations, that it paid off and it wasn't all just for, oh, it was a good story, you guys came close, figure it out in 2021. They were able to find a way to keep through everything. And remember, they lost four of the five games before that. They were they closed out against the Braves with a pretty good win to help give yeah, them we, that we, opportunity. We, 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 we thought this was spiraling away and, and it wasn't even going to happen. Yeah, and they find a way to do it and they continue to make some noise for a few more days before everything finally petered out against the Braves out, out in Houston. But yeah. the fact that they were able to make it, the fact that they were able to show that, it to me made it that much more, gave it that much more meaning down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of nostalgic and you know, kind of one of those things where you, you, you're like, wow, what a coincidence. Like these, you know, the, the, everything on that date, you know, so, mm-hmm. so meaningful to, to this franchise, meaningful to the Yankees themselves. And because of, you know, we'll say that because of all the Yankee connections that this organization has from top to bottom, you know, it was almost, it was poetic that they, that they had a day like that in that place at that time. And, and, and you're right. That's one that really has to be, Pointed to as the not just because it was the clincher, but but how fitting, you yeah. know, after everything that happened, you know, throughout the course of the season. Yep. And now we linger into this long thing known as the off season. We have what? We have what? Four four months, four and a half months till pitchers and catchers. It's well, two. knock on wood. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully knock on wood. Still, let's uh, let's hope you know everybody manages well, everybody stays safe, and we can we can do this uh, the right way next year. <laughs> In, in March and, um, you know, do this in Jupiter and then from there, the real thing in April. But, you know, instructs, instructionally going on right now mm-hmm. in Jupiter this this week and will continue to for the next couple weeks, you know. And again, that's that goes back to the whole conversation again. That's the key, the prospects. Can those guys continue to develop the ones that still haven't made it to the majors, the ones that did make it to the majors that still have a little bit of, uh, you know, of work to do, We you know, both pitching side, especially the hitting side, but again, it's gonna be it's gonna be cool to see. Now you sort of it was all we were all selling hope. Now you saw some tangible evidence that this thing has a chance to 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 be pretty good. We don't know how good yet, but pretty good. So it'll be cool to see the next step. Yep, and I think that's a perfect way to close this out. So this is thank you again for listening to the latest episode of Fish Bites. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. We'll be around throughout the offseason. Hopefully, we'll still be doing a weekly thing. If not, we'll definitely be doing it sporadically when when merited. But definitely keep following along. And again, thank you for following, and we will see you next time.